The reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2. It's a fairly lengthy reading, verses 1 to 41. It's on page 1093, 1093. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you 
by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation.
those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. It is lovely to be with you. My name is Sarah Jane, and I am training uh, to be a licensed lay minister here at Winchester. So I'd like to welcome you again, uh, especially the christening party, to Katie and Rob. And wasn't Charlotte just so brilliant at her christening? And it is lovely to have your family and friends here to celebrate with you on this day when we are celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm wearing red, to celebrate the fire of Pentecost. So, uh, first slide, please. I don't know if you saw <coughs> sorry, the commemorations for the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. So we look back at the significance of what had happened and how this was the turning point of the war. And I was really moved by those personal uh, stories, that, that those that were there, like that 99-year-old man, um, John Jenkins, MBE. He was describing about how terrifying it was. And we also heard about all that precision planning that went on into the operation. And of course, the weather forecasting, so important. So today, we are celebrating the beginning of the Christian church, and that is the people of God, not buildings. And this is a, such a pivotal event when the Holy Spirit came and started just to turn the world upside down. Not just a day to remember, but a day to be experienced now and always. But first, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the word spirit is just an interpretation. We used to say Holy Ghost. It's not just a force, though, but a person of the divine presence, part of the Trinity, God, Father, and Holy Spirit. And because God is indescribable, Scripture uses images that we can understand, like wind or breath. And the, the Spirit is also described in terms of activity. So the Greek word is parakletos, which literally means one called alongside. So a counselor, an advocate, someone to stand by you, to befriend you. So you could say that each of you parents are a paraclete to Charlotte, so you can give love and security and guidance to Charlotte. And what a better way for a child to feel loved and affirmed than by having loving and caring parent paracletes. So now to our passage in Acts 2. So there's so many striking features about this um, fascinating account. So I'm just going to talk about the Holy Spirit who comes as promised and who comes in power and who comes to God's people. So firstly, the Holy Spirit comes in fulfillment of God's promises. So this is God's part of great God's great plan throughout the history of the world. So in the beginning, God made us to be in a relationship 
with him, together ruling the world. But we rebelled and we went our own way. So how was God going to restore that relationship with people? Well, he gives hints about that in the Old Testament, and he says things like, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. So rather than just let us go, God promised that he would make a way for us to come back to him. And then we read that Jesus himself also promised the disciples that he would send them the Holy Spirit to be their paraclete, their comforter, who would guide them into all truth and remind them of everything that Jesus had taught them. So once Jesus' work on earth was complete, the next stage of God's plan was put in place. And so the disciples were waiting and they were praying. So God is for us and then Jesus came to be with us, but the Spirit comes to be in us. And we can trust God because he keeps his promises. He plans every detail and he works things out in his timing. So are we trusting in God's promises in our lives or do we often want to order our affairs in the way that we want? God really knows what he is doing. So we also notice that the Holy Spirit comes in power at Pentecost. So now Pentecost is in the middle of three annual Jewish harvest festivals celebrating the completion of the grain harvest. And it started in Paso at Passover. And it was also being used to commemorate the giving of the law at Sinai, which is thought to have happened 50 days after the Exodus. But God uses these Jewish festivals that he had initiated to show that he was going to do something greater and more lasting than what had happened in the past. So we can say that there was a harvest of souls at Pentecost. So on that day, we see the power of the Spirit in sound and sight and speech. So on the actual day of Pentecost, there are about 120 disciples they were praying in one place, and then suddenly the house was filled with this sound like a violent wind from heaven. So this was the mighty, invisible power of God. It was an outward sign of an inward and spiritual reality. So this was the fulfillment of God's promise, and Jesus saying, receive the Holy Spirit. The sound must have been deafening. And can you imagine a gale in your house with such violent force and yet nothing damaged? A truly supernatural event. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire resting on each one of them. Again, 
an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual reality. This is the fire of God's love, which represents power, but also purity, like a refining fire that burns out the dross. And notice that each one of them was anointed in this way. So this is for everyone, not just the special few like Peter. So this was a very inclusive event. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this must have been so overwhelming because the experience of the Holy Spirit is essentially an experience of God's love for us. So Romans 5, verse 5 says, God has poured out his love for us into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this is nothing to do with how good we are or how worthy because none of us are. No, it is because of the kindness and graciousness and patience of God that he wants us to know how much he loves us without limit, just as a parent cannot explain why they love their child. You just do. And this is the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. So when I had an experience of the Holy Spirit, I was completely overwhelmed, and it was the first time that I, I realized that God was part of me and I part of God. I wasn't just a person trying to live by a moral code, but I was a child of God. I had really moved from darkness into light, a glorious brightness and a, and a wonderful, overwhelming love. And it is the Holy Spirit in us that motivates us to respond to God's love. You realize that you are unworthy. You want to say sorry. And then God's love just wants you to, makes you want to obey him, to love people, and serve others. It's his initial, initiation, not, not your own. And that is why we need to be filled with the Spirit continually, and recognizing because the Spirit lives in us all the time. And really, we can do nothing of lasting value unless we let the Spirit take over in our lives. But I am sure there's lots of stories like mine in this place. So as we are celebrating Pentecost, why don't we share our stories with one another after the service or whoever you're going to be with today and, uh, and just celebrate that and encourage one another about the difference that the Spirit makes in our lives and how we can encourage one another just to seek God more and to get to know him better, our amazing Heavenly Father, through his Spirit. And then also the disciples, they heard speech. They heard all these other languages going on, and they were equipped by the Holy Spirit to reach out to others to tell them how God's love was for them too. So I'm told that some of the Chinese Christians who've recently become Christians are going to be speaking. Um, they're, in, they're going to be speaking in Chinese in the cathedral today, because God isn't just an English speaker. So, thirdly, the Spirit comes 
to God's people. And this is where they all came from. It sort of looks like holiday destinations around the um, Mediterranean. But again, this is God's planning. He chose the time of Pentecost because all these God-fearing Jews were present to hear the message about Jesus. And so Peter, in his speech, uses a prophecy in Joel 2, which was written hundreds of years before this, just to say how God promised that he was going to pour out his spirit on all people. So that's men and women. It's old and young. It's rich and poor. So that's everyone. And all heard in their own language. Truly, a new era of the Spirit had begun. And this shows what a multiracial, multinational, multilingual place this kingdom of God is. So from Genesis to Revelation, this is God's promise. To draw his people from every nation, tribe, people, and language And God's Spirit is available to anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, accepts that Jesus died on their behalf and is the way back to God. And if we know the abundant love and generosity of God, and we know and accept that he has forgiven all those wrong things we've done, and he has given us that gift of the Holy Spirit, then God wants us, like Peter, to make God known in our time. In every generation, God is a missionary God. He's always seeking his people out. So if you look at the news sheet, if you had one, you will see that Thy Kingdom Come is now a global movement across different countries and cultures. And we've been, if you've been using uh, the Novena prayers, we've been asked to pray for five people who need to hear about Jesus, or if they have heard, for, and for some reason they have, haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet. So um, if you've been part of that, this is an icon um, by Andre Rublev, and it's it's there to symbolize the Trinity. And they're sitting around this table in communion, but there is space, there is space at the front. So I just wondered, in a moment of quiet, if we want to imagine the people that we have been praying for, let's imagine them drawing near the table and entering in to that communion of the Trinity. But if you haven't been part of this, maybe you would would like to imagine yourself as part of that fellowship. Or maybe you might look at that painting and say, is that a place where I would want to be? So let's just be still and pray about those people all for ourselves, and then I'll pray.
Thank you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you're always drawing your people in into fellowship with you. And Lord, as you promised, we pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, may your fire descend on your people today again and again with power and purity and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.